Okay, welcome to another episode of TA at Home with Barry and Callie. This is Callie. This is Barry. And today we have a very exciting guest for the first time ever, a non-Medline guest, which is Whoa. kind of exciting. Um, and even more interesting, it's actually a family member of mine, my uncle Kevin. Um, we have Kevin Most, he is the chief medical officer of Northwestern Medicine, Central DuPage Hospital. Did I get it? Who would have thought that Callie would be related to someone so important? <laughs> I know, it's kind of shocking, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's a little confusing, actually. Let's dig into that later. So welcome to TA at Home, Uncle K. Hi, Uncle K. Hi, guys. Thanks. I'm, I'm honored. I can't believe that uh, all the success you guys have had this year doing this, that I'm the first non-medline individual that, that, that that's being on. I, I, I can't tell you how cool that is to me. I know. And us, too, are moving up in the ranks. And super no, exciting for us because we've got lots of medical-related questions for you. Um, I know I personally use you as my kind of go-to you know, should I do intermittent fasting? My ankle's been hurting for two weeks. When do I go to the hospital? You know, that type of stuff. Yeah, you know, it happens all the time, Cal. <laughs> and, and as I'm sure you know, um, being a doctor in a family, that's that's one of the benefits you get is you get to uh, fulfill all the needs of the family and extend benefits. In benefits. Yeah. Am I the worst? Extended family as well. So, uh it, it's uh, it's kind of fun and it's reassuring that we're going to give you good information and that we're going to hit you in the right direction. Who who's the worst in the family? Like the most often reaches out? Is it me? Besides you? Yeah. Who's number two? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Speaking of that, let's get this out of the way. What I'm so sorry that you have to be related to to Callie. What what is that like for you? <laughs> Oh, I, you know what? I can't tell you how much joy that uh, all my nieces and nephews bring me. They, I feel like uh, I can sense a little bit of sarcasm here and <laughs> not loving it. No, I'll tell you, it, it was a lot of fun watching them grow up and develop. And now, you know, look at you guys are important people now and doing important things. And, you know, how much you've matured over the years. And Callie used to hate me. She used to, she used to like. Callie used to hate me too. She used to call me my her worst uncle. She oh would, my god! Yeah. Why? I was like, I like a really intense feminist from like, like not. I still am, but I had a like real big moment in this from like what ten to fifteen, Uncle Kevin, yeah. and. Uh, you used to pick on it a lot, saying boys rule, girls drool. Oh, I got a lot of that from him. Well, it was so easy to set you off. All you yeah. had to do was it's, I mean, it still is. Women, and it's just like, <laughs> wow, that was just, here, I just got to give her this one little poke. Boy, watch her go into action. That's it's still, like, still true. I haven't matured in that area at all. For your female empowerment, Callie, after all. So I actually have a question for you. I just Nate like gave your title. What is your job? Don't tell anybody. <laughs> I really don't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, um, at Central DuPage we have fifteen hundred doctors. So I'm essentially the liaison between the physicians as well as the administration. So that I'm responsible for quality. I'm responsible for patient engagement, patient satisfaction, and patient safety. 
So, are you a doctor too? Yes. Yep, I'm board certified in family medicine. Um, practice for, I, I just stopped practicing actually when COVID started. When uh, we settle down a little bit, I'll go back to my one day a week practicing on Tuesdays. And then the rest of the week, um, I'm here herding cats. So. <laughs> I think the the biggest thing everyone is talking right now, and when you have a doctor available for you, it's what you want to talk about, is all of the vaccine stuff. So are there any big updates? What's new in the world of vaccinations? What can we expect over the next couple months? Yeah, I mean, if you, if you want to talk, we'll talk vaccines generally, but if you want to just talk about what's new and exciting, you know, today, yesterday, um, obviously, probably the biggest news, if you watched the news last night, was it, Moderna is going to start the pediatric uh, vaccine uh, trial here right now. Um, Pfizer is already in the middle of one. You know, there's many people that think that in order for us to get a herd immunity of 70, 80 percent of everybody being protected, that we're going to have to vaccinate kids. So to have these studies being done right now, is uh, obviously very important as we're looking at the start of school season next year to hopefully be able to vaccinate everyone. So look for the results of studies coming out from both Moderna and Pfizer here probably in the next two to three months. If you could choose or people have the option between Pfizer, Moderna, and J&J, &J, like what, what, what would you choose for yourself? Yeah, and this, this answer might um, surprise you a little. You know, there's many people right now that are hesitant to get the J&J &J because J&J &J finished their study and they had a 66% effective rate, 69% effective rate, where they saw Moderna and Pfizer at the 93, 95%. So everyone's like, I'm going to wait. What people really should understand is that Pfizer and Moderna did their studies before the variants came out. And those studies were done in the United States here where there were essentially zero variants. So of course they have great response rates now. Johnson & Johnson, on the other hand, was a little bit late to the game as far as starting their study. And their study actually was done not only in the United States, but also in South Africa, as well as South America, where we see the variants. So for them to have a 66% is very good because they're tested against the variants. I can't tell you what Moderna and Pfizer are against the variants, but I assure you it's below 90%. So if you were to ask me today, I had three lines to get in, which one would I get in? I'd get in the Johnson & Johnson line. Wow, yeah, I was not expecting you to say that at all. That's and interesting. Correct me if I'm and wrong, but Johnson & Johnson, they also tested that it helps with spread, not just correct. getting correct. COVID. Correct. So it's a single shot. So your chance of that second dose big uh, side effects is gone. You're going to get all your side effects on that first dose. The protection rate against all strains looks pretty darn good. Um, so that's where I would go. Plus, it's a it's a virus that, excuse me, it's a vaccine that's used on a platform that we've used before, the adenovirus platform. So anybody who's concerned about the mRNAs of Pfizer and Moderna, this one should not scare you at all. It's the vaccine platform that we've been using for years. That being said, don't don't try to pick and choose. As soon as you can get a vaccine. Get a vaccine. I got yeah, the what, Pfizer vaccine, so I'm very happy. What would you say to people who are concerned about getting the vaccine? There's been a lot of myths around the internet, around infertility issues and other things. So what would you say to those people who are a little bit nervous? 
Yeah, you know, I, I would tell people there's there's two things that people are saying. One is the vaccine was made too quickly. You know, we have ne- we had never made a vaccine in anything quicker than four years. And that was the measles vaccine back in you know early 1960s. Um, and what I tell people is over the last 60 years, we have changed dramatically our science and our technology. And also back then we had one company going to make a measles vaccine. When we started with COVID, we had 200 either companies or universities that were attempting to make a vaccine. So discount the speed of this. The technology is here and we, we know it's effective. Those that are hesitant, you're going to have to either get on the fence or get off the fence. One of the, one of a couple things is going to happen. For people who say, this is so much like influenza, I'm not going to get it because I'm not afraid of it. Or I, you know, it's not going to bother me. And just to put things in perspective, if you take a normal influenza season, we have about 200,000 hospitalizations and about 28,000 deaths. Compare that to COVID. Two million hospitalizations here in the United States going on, what, 55,000, or excuse me, 550,000 deaths. So 10 times the number of hospitalizations, 20 times the number of deaths. So I would say, let's not make that comparison. We, we all need to get this if we want to slow the spread. Everyone wants to go back to concerts and baseball games and bars. Um, we're all going to have to get in and play in the sand together. Is that realistic? Like, will we be at a concert again the way we were, you know, a year and a half ago? What is that going to look like, do you think? Yeah, I think you'll see concerts this, uh, this summer, as a matter of fact. Now, will they be as full-blown as we've seen in the past? Probably not. I think if you look at, um, you know, look how baseball is being rolled out here in Chicago, it's being rolled out at what, about 10, 20% capacity. But then also look what's going on in Texas where they're rolling it out at 100% capacity. So we're gonna get some really good responses of what what the impact is in Texas uh, versus what it will be here. And I think as we start to increase the number of percentage of those vaccinated, we will start to see some loosening from the governor as far as what the restrictions will be. And it wouldn't surprise me towards the end of the baseball season that we're pretty close to standing room only at Wrigley Field. That's exciting. I hope that's true. (laughs) Allie, do you even like going to baseball games? I do. There's beer there. That's true. And hot dogs. I don't mind a baseball game. So we have to ask because a lot of people listening are kind of on the edge of their seat thinking about when Medline is going to announce a return to work plan. So knowing that that is inevitable one day, we're just kind of curious your thoughts on what are some things companies can do to um, ensure a safe return to work when the time is right? Yeah, it's probably one of the more common questions that I'm asked by uh, people in the industry. You know, one of the things I think you need to do is one is look at your environment. You know, you guys are very fortunate at Medline to have a beautiful campus. Um, and it, if you come back at the right time of the year, you could actually hold meetings outside, probably the safest place that you could have meetings. Um, two, yeah, I tell people, know your teammates. Know who your, your team is. Um, individuals that are extremely social and want to be around and be close to people, make sure that their work environment is safe. Um, I don't know what your floors look like. A lot of companies went to open floor plans, you know, instead of individual offices. So I would say, you know, y'all have to be careful there as well. 
encourage everyone to be vaccinated. You know, if you have a high vaccination rate at work and you do the social and physical distancing and use your environment properly, boy, you can, you're going to be able to get people back uh, safely at work. Um, it'll be very interesting to see overall. I mean, for you guys, I'm sure your productivity, it's probably interesting. In many companies, your productivity has gone up mm-hmm. um, and your lifestyle has been a little bit constricted right now or restricted right now. But think about if you had a normal lifestyle and still did work at home, whether it's two days a week, three days a week, boy, from the mental health point of view for employees, it's great. From the efficiency point of view, you can be very efficient. Um, It's good for the environment, less people in cars. Uh, So there's a lot of pros now, I think, that we're seeing on why working at home part of the time, as long as you possibly can, uh, will still be beneficial. However, we do need to understand the mental health and social needs that we get from the workplace. Many people, that is their family. Many individuals that move to a city, that they're the only one in that city, their family now becomes the workplace. And from a mental health point of view, we need to get them back into that setting. That's a really good point. Sounds like it needs to be some sort of balance. What do you think the biggest, go ahead. No, I think the balance is really important. You know, you guys, uh, most companies are gonna look at their footprint and say, how many people can we put in here? Well, now when you look at that footprint, it's going to be totally different. You know, you're going to have 10 feet, 20 feet around you uh, from a safe environment point of view. Well, now all of a sudden, you can't have 35 people in this room. You can only have 15. So working every other day or working one week home, one week off will be certainly something that individuals will look for. What do you think some of the biggest mistakes a company could make in rolling out a return to work plan would look like given everything going on? One I think is um, rushing back, you know, getting trying to get everybody back at the exact same time very quickly. I'd be very careful about that. Two, I would also, probably the most important thing I would look at is your break rooms and your lunch areas. Um, people can be very well contained in an environment at their desk when they're working. But during those times of breaks and lunches, when they're all together in one room and they're eating, all of a sudden their masks come off, their guard is down. And that's where we saw a lot of spread in companies early on in the spring. So that would be one I would look at. And then two, I I would look at um, the impact it's gonna make on your your, your people. Are you still gonna be a great place to, to, uh, to go to work for? Is Medline going to say, hey, we're going to do 50-50 or you're going to have some days where you're going to work at home. Is that going to be attractive to young millennials like yourselves where it's like, wow, that sounds like a good work-life balance versus the company that says, no, we're going back full bore. Everyone's in the office. Um, We really don't care what you think or feel. That's a really good point because obviously, you know, we work in recruiting and our job is to attract talent to Medline and we're seeing already struggling a little bit with candidates asking us, well, what is the flexibility going to be like when this is over? And we don't necessarily have an answer to give them yet. Um, and I don't think most companies do, but it is interesting to see how it may affect the talent we're able to attract based on what we're doing versus what other companies in the area are doing in terms of returning to work and that flexibility. Um, Cause that, that will be important to people. Yeah, absolutely. And in, in Medline, I would hope that you're talking with the Mills brothers and saying, hey, you know what? Um, our mantra should be safety and our mantra should be health driven as well as. So 
you guys are in a sweet spot. I mean, if I if you were if I was a recruiter for you, and I said, boy, you're working for a company that's not only impacting the sharp point of this illness by delivering great products to hospitals and nursing homes and doctors' offices, but we're also at the other end here where we're going to make sure we keep you in a safe environment because we know the impact of this. And boy, that to me, if I was in Medline, that would be the stance I would take. I'm going to give you a very safe work environment. I'm going to make sure that we're looking at the mental health, which has really shown up this year, and we're going to give you some balance. But also you should be proud of the work that you're doing, the products you're delivering, because you are making an impact on the rest of the world on slowing this disease as well. So you, you guys have a great story if you use it, right? I like it. We're going to steal that. <laughs> Um, I know we, we kind of moved past the vaccine, but I'm just curious. There's a lot of talk about new strains coming out and, and what that's going to look like. I mean, do you imagine like post everyone or as many people who want it getting the vaccine that there could potentially be another wave like we've had? Or do you think we'd be in better shape now with the vaccines? Yeah, so... Let's just talk a little bit about variants so everybody understands kind of what this is, you know, because if you look at the variants right now and you say, oh, gosh, there's a South African variant and there's a Brazilian variant and there's the new, you heard yesterday, the new California variant. Um, I'm sure you all paid attention during high school science about Darwinism and survival of the fittest. Um, Variants are mutations of this virus. And the reason a mutation will survive is because it can spread easier. And that's exactly what we've seen. So not surprising that you've heard all these variants are 20% more contagious, 50% more contagious. Absolutely, we expect that because that's how a variant will spread. Our goal really is to minimize that spread as much as possible. So as soon as you get enough people vaccinated, it doesn't matter if one person has the variant because the 95 people around them have all been protected Therefore, that spread is tampered and decreased. So right now it is. It's a race to get vaccinated right now so that the impact of the variant is minimized, just like we see with influenza every single year. When you get your influenza shot every year, it's a different strain. Why? Because of those are the strains that mutated and survived the season before and in the southern hemisphere. And that's why we give you that vaccine to slow those variants the next year. That brings up a question we had talked early on. I asked if eventually the the vaccine would be like with the flu shot. Um, Is that something you still see happening and how soon um, or is that looking like it's changed now? No, I think that's going to happen. I think, you know, COVID has kind of made its footprint around the world right now and has shown us that it is going to continue to mutate. I don't think we're going to be able to corral it as much as we think we can because it will continue to mutate. So it would not surprise me that the influenza vaccine that you get every year instead of four strains of influenza is going to be four strains of influenza and potentially two strains of COVID. Um, What What is it right now? Like if, if I just got the vaccine today, what is it? When do I need to go get my next one? Like both doses, I mean. You mean for COVID right now? Yeah, like, are they saying every year you got to get vaccinated, every five years? That's the beauty of this. We have no clue yet. Nice. Because we haven't had a long enough period of when people have been vaccinated and then have been exposed again in the future. 
certainly something we're going to learn in the summer and fall, but we're hoping, and it's looking like you have pretty good response, so we're hoping that you're going to get at least a year, if not longer. So will this end up being like a tetanus shot that we get every five years, or will it be, well, you're going to need a booster every year just because of the variants? What about the side effects to the vaccine? So we've seen this kind of all over the board of people feeling sick, not feeling sick, just a sore arm. Is there any rhyme or reason to how someone might respond to the second or third, the first or second dose? No, not really. Um, you know, many people, like myself, I got Pfizer, I had a little arm tenderness, but really didn't bother me any more than a normal flu shot would. Other people are going to get aches and pains and low-grade fevers that are going to last for 24 to 48 hours. It really depends on your immune system and how it kicks in. So even those individuals that are getting those side effects, I tell them to be reassured. That's, that's the signal that your immune system has been turned on and it's a little aggravated right now, which is exactly what you want. Um, and we really haven't seen, if you remember in the beginning, boy, we had a couple of people very early on during the summer that had these bad reactions to the vaccine and we slowed everything down a little bit. Look at what's happened now. Even here at Northwestern, we've given 100,000 vaccines. We haven't had one bad outcome. So people need to be reassured as we're hitting the multi-million marks without having the bad income, that this a bad outcome, that this is a safe vaccine. Uh, that reminds me of another question. When you talk about how soon people will be able to get the vaccine, right? If you want one, you can expect to be able to get it by this time. I feel like there's been a lot of different answers from different politicians and you know leaders. What What's your opinion on that? When do you think any Joe Schmo would be able to go out and get the vaccine? Yeah, this is um, this is that question like like you like you prefaced it that it's been this moving target throughout. You know, President Biden is saying you know by Fourth of July we should be able to have you know picnics. So. He's saying, boy, everyone should be able to have a vaccine in May or June. Um, a lot of that is set on, obviously, the production. So two things are going to happen here. One is production and one is hesitancy. So you're starting to see a lot of people right now that really are waiting and anxious to get the vaccine. We have a large portion of the population that says, I'm not going to get the vaccine. So as we ramp up production, there's going to be plenty of more opportunities to get the vaccine. And we're going to hit a point where we're going to have a lot more vaccine then we have people willing to get the shot. So that's our, going to be our concern there is going to be vaccine hesitancy and how do we convert those people so we can get to herd immunity and baseball games and that. I was just thinking yeah. someone could easily turn this uh, episode into a drinking game and take a shot every time we say the word vaccine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or variants. Or variant, yeah. The, so. the other side, and it's going to be the probably the biggest curveball, is the AstraZeneca vaccine. And I'm sure you probably have seen the news recently. Uh, a couple individuals, a few individuals in Norway ended up with blood clots shortly after getting the vaccine. So they, there's about 12 countries in Europe right now that have stopped using the AstraZeneca vaccine. Um, even though the people that got blood clots, it still fell within the norm of who would get, the number of people that would, we would expect to get a blood clot. So although they're trying to tie these two together, there's a lot of scientists that are saying, don't tie them together, there's no reason. AstraZeneca also, I don't know if you know this or when it first started, well, they were doing their trial in the United States, they messed up and actually 
gave some people a half strength dose for their first dose followed by a full strength dose for their second dose. So they put a twist on it and said, well, we're going to compare those two groups that got full dose, full dose versus half dose, full dose. Well, unfortunately, the half dose, full dose group did much better. When the U.S. looked at that and the FDA and the CDC looked at that, they said, I'm sorry, you need to restart your study. So they had to restart the study, which should be done here in the United States very soon. We're sitting on 30, 40, 50 million doses of AstraZeneca waiting for that to be approved. So they had the speed bump early on, and now with this latest speed bump, I'm not sure that AstraZeneca, where they're going to come out. That is the group that really would have pushed us to that everyone can get a shot in May. So wow. it would be very interesting to see what happens. Yeah, I, I apparently am not watching the news enough because I had no idea. I don't even know that. I need to maybe that. make an effort to focus more on this. I've been avoiding the news quite a bit. The last you don't year. watch something other than Bravo once in a while? I probably won't. Let's be real. <laughs> I don't think they have news on Netflix, do they? Uh, no. They, they, that would be helpful. <laughs> I don't think they do. Um, so you, uh, I don't know if you've been on a podcast before, but you're kind of a radio personality. You're kind of the, the go-to doctor on some shows. Do you want to share that so people can, you know, listen to you? <laughs> Give um, yourself a plug? <laughs> yeah, sure. You know, I, I'm very fortunate to have friends that, uh, are in the media. Uh, I'll just tell you the quick story. You know, 25 years ago, I was volunteering at a golf tournament for Neediest Kids Fund uh, with WGN. And uh, at that time, the morning host was a, a gentleman by the name of Spike Odell. And uh, I was at this golf tournament and I had a radio and uh, my good friend, Peter DeYoung, who was running the tournament would keep saying, hey doc, over the radio, hey doc, can you do this? Hey doc, can you do that? And Spike O'Dell said to me, why does he keep calling you Doc? And I said, well, I'm a doctor. And he goes, oh, I, th I thought you ran golf tournaments. I said, well, <laughs> runs golf tournaments. I'm a doctor. I just volunteer. You know, there's a good cause. So Spike at that time said, would you ever consider coming on the radio and, and doing some medical spots? And I said, sure. And uh, so for the past 25 years, I've been on WGN radio uh, once a week on, in the morning show. And then I uh, so I do that at 6.40 on Monday mornings with Bob Surratt now. And uh, I also do Sunday mornings with Dean Richards at 9.30. And then uh, I'll do John Williams on WGN uh, radio as well. And then I'll do WGN TV whenever asked. Um, and you still have a full-time job. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And since COVID, you know, the, the, probably the personality that you guys like um, – Eric Ferguson and Eric in the morning uh, has asked me, so I've been on his show on a regular basis all through COVID. And uh, so it's an opportunity to kind of answer questions that people might have in real time, um, share what's the newest and greatest and what's cutting edge, and um, try not to give opinions and try to give more facts. We talked about this a little bit in the beginning, but what's what's the like most common thing people used to ask you pre-COVID? Because I'm sure now it's all vaccines and when's this going away but um like what was the most common thing people asked you about yeah you know it, it's interesting um we used to the, prior to covid we would change the topic every week based on whatever was actually the popular thing you know during february 
we would talk about heart disease, and we talk about females with heart disease. Uh, uh, during May, we would talk about colon cancer and colon cancer screening. During October, we would talk about breast cancer awareness. So we tried to keep it as widespread as we possibly could, one, to keep it somewhat engaging and also keep it kind of up to date. Um, I'm kind of surprised at, you know, some of the questions that come out, you know, even some of the, you know, my grandmother used to do this and is that still okay to do? Or, you know, it's like, where did that ever come from and why did we ever think that? Um, so I think, you know, I've had a lot of fun doing it and I can't tell you that there's been like one thing that's, uh, that's probably popped up. Believe me, I've had some bizarre questions and on air, it's tough. You got to bite the inside of your cheek so you're not laughing. It's <laughs> so fun. If you had any like kind of just general overarching tips for managing both physical health and mental health during quarantine and COVID-19, what would those be? Yeah, um, you know, you, you really have to look at the entire balance uh, of health. Health goes all the way from what your diet is and what you're eating, all the way up to how you're physically moving, you know, what you're doing. Um, so if, if you look at the whole physical side of it, it's, boy, my idea would be, you know, eat your meals the way you're supposed to eat your meals. Make sure you have at least a balanced diet. Make sure you have the vitamin appropriate uh, either meals or supplements. And then really, especially now, I mean, you guys probably have noticed this. Um, before COVID, I would have breaks between meetings. So I could get up and move. I could get up and walk. Now my schedule can go from meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting. And, and I have to make sure that I get up and get up and move a little bit. So um, two, I would say, uh, take the opportunity to exercise as much as you possibly can. And then mental health, you know, something that has been kind of always um, shunned and kind of said as a weakness is something that we really need to be more and more aware of. Um, and I think COVID has really brought that to the forefront. You know, the number of suicides, uh, teen suicides, um, and just suicides overall is uh, way too high. And uh, we should, we need to look at that as a true illness. And uh, we have to have people not be afraid to reach out for help. And we need to teach people the signs to look for, because that's something that you're doing for someone else's health, not necessarily just for your own health. That's awesome. Barry, any uh, last questions for my uncle here before we let him get back to his very important job? <laughs> um, did you have a good time with us today? <laughs> I did. I did. I had, I had a really good time with you guys. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's fun doing things like this. And I'll tell you, you work for a company that uh, has really made its mark in healthcare, And uh, I, I think it will continue for decades and decades to come to do that. So I, I would hope that everyone in your at Medline, like I said earlier, is proud of what they are doing. They may not have, they may not have, you know, designed the vaccine or they may not have, you know, sat there and put a patient on a ventilator or help someone get off of ECMO. But I can tell you that your products and your delivery has not only protected us, the healthcare providers, but has also given a lot of relief to patients as well. So you have done the full spectrum. You guys protect us, you know, with gowns and gloves and masks and face shields and, and your, you know, sterilium soaps, you know, uh, Y'all have great products that protect us as healthcare providers, which we can't thank you enough for. 
and then you also make great quality products that we use on our patients and use in the hospital. So all I would say is everyone on your team, you should realize that you're part of this, even though you may not feel it, you are really a big part of what's going on here in our fight. Amen. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I think everyone will appreciate that. It's easy to get caught up in the day-to-day, -day, but obviously there's a lot of big picture stuff going on being a part of a medical device company right now, right? So it's always nice to hear. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Seriously. I, again, you're way too important to be taking time to do this. So yeah, yeah. But I, I think the team is going to love it. So, um, again, I'm just, I'm really grateful. Well, I did away. And if there's anything I misspoke that you want me to do, just call me. Back. Please. No, I don't think I'm going to be editing much out at all. And I'll, uh, I'll send it to the family group chat too. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much. You guys take care and let me nice know when to I meet you, Uncle K. Nice <laughs> to meet you, Barry. Let me know when I can do it again. We'll do it in the summer, maybe. Perfect. Yeah, that would be awesome. A follow up when we're all out partying again. <laughs> all right. Love you. Thank you. Deuces, Barry.